0: Today's episode of Everyday Truth. Jeremiah chapter number 26 is the official halfway point in our study of the book of Jeremiah. And I love this little section and I want to dive right in. So, Jeremiah chapter 26, look at verse number one, where in Jeremiah we know that the book was not written chronologically. So, it kind of jumps back and forth to various places in Jeremiah's preaching and in his ministry. And oftentimes, it's, it's, uh, it's possible for us to ascertain when those seasons were based upon some of the information that the text provides. For instance, in verse number one, it says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. So we know uh, Josiah's death in 609. And then we know that his son Shalom or Jehoiaz ruled for just a few months. So we know the the approximate season uh, of this this message that Jeremiah is preaching here in Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 26. So in, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord saying. So this is a message at that season. So this is just ahead of the first Babylonian invasion. So as, a, as we've said, Babylon attacked three times. Once in 605, where Daniel and Hanani, Mishael and Azariah, and the king's seed, some of these important young men were taken. And then there was a second invasion in 597 at the end of Jehoiakim's reign. And that was uh, when Jehoiakim Uh, was taken uh, captive back to Babylon, and Ezekiel and some of the working class people, some of the artisans and and skilled laborers. And then finally, that that final destruction siege of Jerusalem was in 587, 586, right in that time frame. And that was the complete destruction of Jerusalem, most notably the the Solomonic temple. So just keep those, those things in mind. But here we are back at the beginning of Jehoiakim, uh, his reign. And what does God say through Jeremiah? Look at verse number two. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house. So when you think about the temple, the Lord's house here refers to the temple. We think about the temple proper. There were various courts and the court here probably referred to as the court of women. And what that meant is it's the court where only Jews could come in, but also Jewish women. So this would be the place where the most people that were termed God's people could hear the message that Jeremiah was preaching. So the Bible says in verse number two, they stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. So interesting Because the temple was central to the nation and because everybody had to come to the temple to worship, especially during the high feast times, Passover and Pentecost and tabernacles, that it was possible for somebody like Jeremiah, who basically headquartered his ministry in the whole Jerusalem area from the little, little town of Anathoth, just, just outside of Jerusalem. It was possible for him to preach to the whole nation. By preaching at the temple. Why? Because the nation came to him. The cities of Judah came to him. It was a centralized place for him to preach. So the Bible says, Speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. So Jeremiah, I have a message. And the message that I want you to preach is to those that don't think they need it. Because think about it, they're coming to worship. They're coming thinking, we're here to honor God. We're here to worship God. We're here for good and godly reasons. And yet you need to to kind of upset their apple cart and tell them things aren't as peachy as they think they are. And so you're going to give them a message. And Jeremiah, the implication is it's going to be a very difficult message to give, I think that's why the Lord says, diminish not a word. Make sure that the strength of your message indicates the strength of my message. You're not watering it down. That would be to diminish. You're not taking some parts away. Uh, You're not trying to euphemize the things that are hard to hear. You're not diminishing the word. As as preachers, uh, our job is to give the word of God. And it's important not just to give the word of God in the sense of I'm telling you what the word means, but let the tone of the passage determine the tone of my message. Make sure that I'm preaching in context. Make sure that I'm not just preaching the things I want to preach or the things that people want to hear, but I'm giving the whole counsel of the word of God, diminishing not all. A oh, word. That was the testimony of the Apostle Paul. When he called the Ephesian elders together, when he was finishing that third missionary journey, he was in a hurry to get that offering to Jerusalem. He was running late. So he called those elders to come from Ephesus to meet him at the port city of Miletus. And there the Apostle Paul said, among other things, But I have declared unto you the whole counsel of God. I think, Uh, Paul could have said it this way, I have diminished not a word. So God is saying that to Jeremiah here. What great advice for all of us, parents and pastors and teachers and preachers of the word of God. Verse number three, if so be, they will hearken. So here's one possible outcome of your preaching, uh, Jeremiah, when you preach and give the whole counsel of the word of God, diminishing not a word. One possibility is they might listen. They might hear what you say. The word hearken here means more than just to hear the the sound waves that enter into the ear, but it means to, to listen and to understand and to obey. That's the point. So if they will hearken and turn, see, that's true listening. Turn, there's repentance. Turn every man from his evil way. And that's the only way that evil can be turned from. It, it must be an individual choice. You you know really, when when it when it, it it comes down to it, nations can't repent, families can't repent, churches can't repent. Now I know sometimes we speak that language, but really only individual people can repent. And if a church is getting right with the Lord. What that simply means is the aggregate parts of that church, individual members. So, for a nation to be right with the Lord, it must begin with me. It must begin with you. It must begin with the individual heart. And that's what God's driving at here when he says, Every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil, that I would change my course of action. So, God has determined this is my course of action unless unless you give me reason to change my course of action. So it's not that God is this flighty, capricious God uh, that can be manipulated by man. The the point is that God has determined that he, he will have a changeable spirit toward those that are humble and repentant so the Bible says here that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. So if I understand the passage correctly, it means God has already determined, listen, you're going to you're going to be punished. You're going to deal with the consequences of your behavior. But if you'll listen to the word, the message that I am sending you See, the messages of warning and even the messages of judgment are an indication of God's mercy. God doesn't have to tell us that he's going to punish us. He can just do it. I think about when God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Nineveh didn't preach a touchy-feely message. Nineveh didn't even give them an option. Uh, uh, Rather, Jonah. Jonah didn't even give them an option. Jonah didn't even say, hey, but if you repent. No, he just said, God's going to judge you in 40 days. God's going to judge you. And they repented. And then God changed his course because of that. Wow, what a great example. Look at verse number four. And thou shalt say unto them, thus saith the Lord, if ye will not hearken to me. So if you'll hearken, God says, I'm going to make an adjustment. But if you won't hearken to me, and here's what it means to hearken. If you won't hearken to me, to walk in my law, which I have set before you. What a statement. So to hearken means that we're going to recognize God's law for what it is, authoritative. We're going to apply God's law to our life. We're going to walk in it. It's not just going to be something banging around in our theological minds, but it's going to be something that we act upon. So if you'll walk in my law, then the Bible says, which I have set before you. So God's word was accessible. God's Word was practical, something that they could apply and walk in. And God's Word was powerful because adherence to it would stave off judgment. Well what a, what a, what, what a great way to look at God's law, God's Word. It's accessible. It's practical. It's powerful. It, it's the answer to our to our problems. And God was putting it right in front of them, and yet they were not listening. That's why James said, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Because true hearing, as in the case of true faith, will always show up in our applications. Verse number five, to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets. God says, I've sent you my servants. I've sent you my errand boys. To give you my message, whom I sent unto you, I sent. This message is not Jeremiah's. This is not some famous orator, some preacher, some pastor. This, this is my word that I have sent. Now watch how God sends it. Whom I sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened. And God says, I've been very diligent. I've been very proactive. At rising up early. This has been an urgent pressing need, a priority need, and yet you have not seen it as important. You've not seen it as urgent. You've rejected it. Verse number six, last verse I'll read, then will I make this house like Shiloh. Wow. I will make this house. That means the temple of the Lord, the beautiful Solomonic house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all the nations Of the earth, what's Shiloh? Shiloh was the original place where, when Joshua conquered the land, they brought the the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacle. They set it up at Shiloh, and there for three hundred and sixty nine years, the Tabernacle stood. But remember, uh, they they the people grew cold. Eli, the priest, wouldn't uh, restrain his own sons, Hophni and Phinehas. People despised the offering of the Lord. Uh, The Philistines were attacking, and Eli unwisely sent the Ark of the Covenant into that battle, and it was stolen. And eventually, Shiloh just became a barren waste place. Why? Because they lost the very presence of God. It was stolen. It was taken. And that's what God's saying here. God's saying, this place, as you might feel like it has permanence because it's built out of beautiful marble and stone and it's been around forever, don't think that this place can't be made just like that place. Why? Because you have disobeyed me. So, wow, Shiloh is a special place. I love to go to Shiloh when I go to Israel. It's probably my favorite place to go. Uh, The presence of God sat there for 369 years. But the point here is it's not the place that's important. It's God that's important. And we need to honor him in our hearts and our lives from our our very will and and soul. And when we don't, God's not into honoring a place. He's into honoring himself. So I hope that'll be a, a word to the wise, to all of us. We're going to stop there in verse number six. We'll come back to verse number seven next episode. Hope you'll join us. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.